My uh, text today is Joshua chapter 8, verse 30 to 35, and the sermon title is Reaffirming Our Covenant with Jesus. Now, Jesus is not listed in the text. I'll be really honest with you. Um, It is an Old Testament passage. It's a covenant after Mosaic law of Mount Sinai, and there's a difference between the old covenant under law with human effort being the driver and the covenant of Jesus Christ with the power of grace and the Holy Spirit and the love of God being the drivers. So there's a difference in the operating systems, but we're reading a text about a renewal of the covenant um, in the Old Testament, and I'm gonna call it renewing our covenant with Jesus because the Lord said that's gonna be the application of today's message. So just to give you a feel where I'm going, so I'm gonna read the text, and I left my normal Bible at home, so I'm in NIV today, um, and uh, I would like to read um, Joshua 8, just these six verses, uh, starting in verse 30. And I'll give some context and background to these in just a moment. Um, verse 30 of Joshua chapter 8, Then the Lord built on Mount Ebal an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel. As Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the Israelites, he did that in Exodus, excuse me, in Deuteronomy, um, verse 27, chapter 27, 1 to 8, is talking about building the altar, and you'll see what's gonna unfold, but it's unpacked in Deuteronomy 27. So Joshua built on Mount Ebal an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel. As Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the Israelites, he built it according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no iron tool <clears throat> has been used. On it they offered to the Lord burnt offerings and sacrificed fellowship offerings. There in the presence of the Israelites, Joshua copied on stones the law of Moses, which he had written. All Israel, aliens and citizens alike with their elders, officials and judges, were standing on both sides of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, facing those who carried it, the priests who were the Levites. Half of the people stood in front of Mount Gerizim, and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had formally commanded when he gave instructions to bless the people of Israel. Afterwards, Joshua read all the words of the law the blessings and curses, just as it is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and children and the aliens and those who lived among them. All right, so that's uh, Joshua chapter eight. I wanna give some background to it. Um, The interesting thing about this text is um, we've moved immediately from the Battle of Ai to Shechem is where this is. Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim are right near uh, the town of Shechem. Uh, It's not modern day Nablus today. And um, that is where Abraham built the first altar when he came into the land. You remember God called him out of the land of the Chaldeans and Ur and he came up and he moved down and his first altar was at Shechem. Jacob later built an altar there. Uh, south of that, there's, there's Shiloh where the uh, tabernacle rested for 370 years or so. And then um, Bethel, which is uh, right near Ai, 
which is, there was also an altar that um, Abraham and Jacob built there. And then further south, we go into the southern area like Hebron and Beersheba. So what's interesting about this place, this is a place of encounter. It is where God first commissioned Abraham and spoke to him and offered covenant with Abraham. That's where Abraham built the altar. He, the covenant came in Genesis 12. Go to the land I will send to you. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed through you. All who bless you will be blessed. All who curse you will be cursed. He comes to in, journeys into the land and then when he reaches this location, the Lord reaffirms the covenant, it reaffirms that blessing of Genesis 12 and cuts covenant with Abraham and he builds an altar there as a sign of this is the place, this land that you have given is our land and I have cut covenant to follow you with all of my heart, I'm fully surrendered to you. So that's a little bit of the background of that and I wanna show you um, a picture of what's taken place thus far with um, what's been conquered. You'll see the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee kind of in the middle, that's in the Jordan Rift Valley, slightly well, all below sea level. And then on the east side of that River Jordan is this land on the east, which is what the two and a half tribes took as their inheritance before they entered the land of the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Hivites, etc. And so the stuff on the eastern side with Bashan to the north, Moab to the south, all belong to the Lord, um, all belong to those tribes. This is the initial conquest through chapter 12 of Joshua. Then on the west, they came through Jericho, which is, let me put my highlighter, maybe it will show. Look at that, it shows. There's Gilgal and Jericho. They came in there, and then they went up and took Ai and Bethel. We didn't read that in, in the text in, earlier in chapter eight, but both cities were conquered. They, they described the battle for Ai, Bethel came out. Uh, both those cities were conquered at the same time. And then it appears we have a text where they went up to Shechem. Shechem is actually where um, Mount Ebal and Gerizim would be located. And... Um, they probably conquered the cities between Ai and Shiloh and Shechem, and that was what we call the central campaign. In chapters nine and 10, they're gonna take the southern campaign, uh, Gibeah, and then all of the south, and in chapters 11 and 12, they're gonna take the north on the, the west side of the river. So to give you a picture of what the geography looks like with Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, I've stood on the yellow spot, which is the ruins. I'll show you some photos of that. There's Jacob's well is there. Um, Shechem, uh, which is now Nablus, it's all built around, was in between the two mountains. It's a natural amphitheater. Um, interestingly, um, Mount Gerizim is green. It's full of lush vegetation. And Mount Ebal has a few trees on it, but it's mostly barren. It looks fairly dead. It's gonna be the curses on Ebal, the blessings, which is on the green mountain, which is Gerizim. And it's a natural amphitheater. So half the tribes are standing on Mount Gerizim, halfway up the hill, looking at Shechem, and half are on Mount Ebal. And one side is gonna give the curses from Ebal, and the other side is gonna give the blessings from Mount Gerizim. And the altar that's constructed is on Mount Ebal. They found remains of that, and uh, it's on Mount Ebal. So this is a modern-day picture 
On the left is Mount Gerizim, on the right is Mount Ebal. That's what it looks like. Jacob's Well is in the middle of that picture. If you go through that valley, that would be the old ancient Shechem. Um, it looks like this. This is another aerial shot with Mount Ebal, the curses and the blessings there. And you'll notice the town in the middle. Um, scientists, it's a natural amphitheater. You can hear echoes between the two mountains. Um, and then this is um, a picture uh, that I took from the top of Mount Gerizim. Um, when we were there in 2016, uh, interestingly, the small piece in the very middle, that's where ISIS headquarters and the, it's a West Bank city, but it's right there. Just to the left is where Jacob's well was. We actually drank out of the well, which was really exciting. And uh, Scott, you, you did that with me on a later year. It was amazing. <laughs> this is looking from Mount Gerizim to Ebal. Notice we're green on Gerizim and it's on Mount Ebal, it's brown on that side. So um, that's a little bit, and this is what the stone altars look like in Israel. This one is in Shiloh. I took it there. Um, it's, uh, it's an actual altar um, of stones that were usually flat or square, and they built it up to a table kind of format where a sacrifice was given. This was the command of the Lord in Moses' day was to have an altar with unhewn stones, in other words, without human effort, without human sculpting and human sh shifting, just take what God has created and honor him as the creator and offer a sacrifice there to the Lord. So that's the altar that was prescribed in um, those days. The other thing you need as background is what we call a suzerain vassal tre treaty. Let's stick my Bible back here. Um, because I want to read you uh, uh, some of the significance of what this is. This was the treaty that was cut by um, Moses, or God with Moses and the people of Israel on the mountain. Um, it's, it's all throughout ancient Mes Mesopotamian area, ancient Near East, they have these tr treaties. There's different kinds. There's a royal grant, which is unconditional. Um, that was given to, uh, um, you know, um, Adam and, and Noah, but then there's a conditional one which was done. Um, a suzerain, a suzerain is king, it's the word for king. Vassal means the subjects or servants of the king. And so what would happen in a suzerain vassal is if a king came and said, I am coming into your land and this is now my territory, I'm going to make a covenant with the people of which live in that territory they will serve me, and there's a preamble. Let me describe to you my relationship, our history together, and I will guard you, I will protect you, I will fight your wars, I will provide for you, I will be your king in every way, provided you keep to the stipulations that I'm setting out. And then there was a celebration after that to ratify it. So here's the five elements of a suzerain vassal treaty. In the preamble, it was always the attributes of the great king were listed. So, um, for example, in Exodus 20, where we have the covenant spelled out, it says, I am the God who delivered you from Egypt. I am the Lord your God. It describes who he is. It then gives a historical prologue of the summary of their relationship. I bore you out of Egypt on eagle's wings. I carried you and I provided for you in the wilderness. I delivered you from bondage and your clothes didn't wear out all these 40 years. I've been your faithful God. I am with you. I've covenanted to be with you as you will be a holy people, a chosen nation. 
under me and we're going into a land that I'm giving to you. You won't even have to fight the battle. You just need to go in in faith and the land is all yours and you will be my kingdom of priests to occupy and rule according to the Edenic covenant, uh, legislate my kingdom in that land. And so that's the historical prologue and then the stipulations were things like, uh, it always described the exclusive relationship between the sovereign king and the subject. So notice the 10 commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt make no graven image or idols. Thou shalt honor the Sabbath. The first four all deal with the fact that God is king and we're not, and we serve him. The next set of, and it, it demanded absolute love or loyalty. And love there was not the love the way we think of it. Love in the Old Testament, has said love was covenant faithfulness to honor the king, and to do what he said. That's covenant love in the Old Testament. And so uh, slander is prohibited against the king. No, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Um, and then um, what happens is they also had stipulations about how they lived with their neighbor, how they honored their neighbor and what that looked like. And that's what Jesus said, all of the law and the prophets is summed up in this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And so we've got honor your father and mother, you can't lie, you, know, you can't steal, all the different things that are in the second six of the 10 commandments. And those were the stipulations. And then they had blessings and curses related to that, meaning if you obey the commandments, you will be blessed. Blessed will be your sheep, blessed will be your household, blessed will be your children. Everything you touch will be blessed as you obey me. But if you don't obey me, you will be cursed. You'll be cursed in the land, you'll be cursed this way, that way. And when you read them, I'd encourage you not to get discouraged. Because by the way, all of the curses have been taken by Jesus on the cross. And we're actually told in Ephesians chapter one, we have all the blessings in heavenly realms are ours in Christ. Chapter one, two, and three outline those, the, the amazing love of the Lord, the forgiveness of sin, the adoption as sons, the sealing with the Holy Spirit, Jew and Gentile, you know, the whole thing is outlined for us. And then it's, but then it does say in Ephesians, therefore walk worthy of that to which you are called, seated with Christ in heavenly places. So the stipulations are actually true in the New Testament as well. We actually need to obey, but the power in doing that is grace and the Holy Spirit, motivated by love. So um, they have blessings and curses, and then there was a ratification ceremony. In, in Exodus, uh, where you see this uh, done, the 70 elders came up and they ate in the presence of the Lord. If you've read that account uh, in the close of 24, um, it, they, they came up, they ate in the presence of the Lord and they ratified the covenant there before the Lord. So that's that. And I wanna give you a little bit about the pattern in scripture and the implications for the New Testament believer. The pattern in scripture is, um, always offers God's people a choice. So Adam had all of the blessings in the Garden of Eden. God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. They heard the roar or the sound of his voice. They had all the fruit of the tree. Everything was there. There were rivers watering the ground. It was full provision. They had authority over the animals. They had authority over, over what God had created. 
But God said, I'm putting before you a choice. You cannot eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day that you eat from that, surely you shall die. And they had a choice whether they would do that or not. And of course, we know the story. They chose to eat from the fruit. And as a result, Satan came in. They defaulted on the kingdom. And Satan now became the prince of the air and the ruler of this world. And Adam and Eve are cast out of that garden of blessing named Eden. And they, uh, Cain, the description is, you'll be a wonder on the earth. So we have this idea. And then you've got uh, Noah renews the covenant. And then the next thing you know, we have Babel erecting a tower and the nations are scattered. Then you have Abraham called and the next thing you know, they're in Egypt in bondage. And then you have Moses and Joshua bring them into the land and the next thing you know, you're in Judges where they've defaulted and everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes. And the next thing you know, they've raised up a king named Saul who they think is gonna be the answer and he defaults on the kingdom. And then David's raised up and the kingdom splits in half and eventually the north and the south both forsake the Lord and they end up in exile. Oh, and then they come out of exile and they're restored to the land and oh, by the time of Malachi, they've robbed God of the tithe. They're not blessing God any longer. They, they, they're under a curse and it's foreshadowing Messiah. By the way, it's opposite in the New Testament. You've got Jesus that looks like he's dead in the grave, but suddenly he's resurrected. You've got Peter, a fisherman who denies the Lord and suddenly he's the apostle of Acts 2 moving mightily in the Holy Spirit. You've got Paul, the persecutor of Christians, suddenly he's an apostle to the nations. You've got a persecuted church who changes the world by the power of their testimony. You've got a, a, you know, a bride taken out of the world and suddenly she's a pure spotless bride. And we go from glory to glory. It's upward where it's downward in the Old Testament. The Old Testament always ends in failure. The New Testament always ends in from glory to glory, victory to victory because there are different covenants with better promises. Interestingly, the New Testament believer, it says in Revelation to him who overcomes, I will give, and there's seven churches, I'll give the crown of life, I'll give a new white stone with your name on it. We're gonna rule and reign with Christ. To him who overcomes, we gain reward. The overcoming is choices. Will we follow the Lord or will we not? Our mode of doing that is by the power of grace and the Holy Spirit motivated by love, not human effort of law. Do you see the difference? It's such an important difference there. We're not under the Mosaic covenant. So I've drawn this picture for you. I knew somebody's gonna say, pastor, give me the notes. Noah goes downwards to a flood, excuse me, Adam goes downwards to where everyone's judged because all of the earth is evil in a flood. Noah descends, Noah's rescued, but then it descends to Babel. Abraham to Egypt, Sinai, they died in the wilderness, Joshua to Judges, Samuel to Saul, David to captivity, and the Old Testament ends in failure. In the New Testament, here's your picture. It's from glory to glory. Jesus' death becomes his life, is reigning in victory where we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Peter's denial becomes Peter's Holy Spirit fire. Saul's persecuting an apostle of the nations, persecuted church to victorious church, a bride rescued to a bride spotless from glory to glory. So it's really important. 
that when you hear this covenant, because we're gonna read the text again, I'm gonna unpack what was at stake at the altar and the gathering and their reading of curses and reading of blessings. Just remember, that's Old Testament that ends in failure. You can't do it in human strength. But in Christ, the curse is removed and all the blessings are available. However, you still have a choice. Will you follow the Lord? Do you carry the fear of the Lord? Does obedience matter to you? And do you actually want the reward and the blessings that are in Christ? Does that make sense? There's a difference. One's empowered by the Spirit through grace in love. The other requires human effort and obedience. And they foreshadowed in Deuteronomy 31, 16, as well as in Joshua's account in 24, you cannot obey this law, you will fail. That's the epitaph on um, human effort. Crash and burn, will not work. We are saved by grace apart from works We're created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared in advance and we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We must choose him. And then we choose to walk, not according to the flesh. Galatians 5 lists all that stuff, right? The works of the flesh are sexual immorality. It just lists lying, deception, gossip. It lists all the stuff, but the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We have a choice. Live by the flesh, live by the spirit. Which will you choose? Grace empowers through faith, but we must make a choice. All right, I've made my case. So let me unpack a few things in the text. Maybe we should read it again. It's been a number of minutes um, since I actually read it, like 20. Joshua built on Mount Ebal an altar. Notice the word altar. According to what God had commanded, he offered two offerings, a burnt offering and a peace offering. We're gonna need to find out what those are. The ark of the presence of the Lord is standing between those speaking curses and those speaking blessings. Remember, that's part of a suzerain vassal treaty covenant. And um, he's gonna read all of the books of the law. These are the stipulations And then they're gonna read the blessings and curses if they obey or don't obey those things. So this is old covenant. This is a renewal of their covenant as they've come into the land. And I would just say, by way of application for that, is um, before we conquer anything, we need to make sure we're in covenant with the Lord. It's Jesus' blood that's defeated the enemy. It's beholding the sacrifice of the lamb. It's keeping our eyes focused on the author and champion of our faith. It's enduring trials and persecutions because they perfect us in our faith. We access what Christ paid for in a new covenant reality. And that's why we have the Lord's Supper periodically to say, Lord, we remember our covenant. You're the bread from heaven. You're the water that's in the rock. It's the blood of the covenant. We say yes to you. Our lives are living and holy sacrifice, an acceptable offering pleasing to the Lord. By the way, that language of Romans 12.1 is the Olah, which is Holocaust, which is an entirely consumed offering of 100% devotion to the Lord. Then our mind is renewed and we get to test and prove what is the good and perfect will of the Lord. So I'm just gonna pray this for just a moment to just say, 
boy, we, we wanna make that choice. Lord, we thank you that we're offered a new covenant reality. As we unpack this old covenant, we thank you we're no longer bound by law and human effort, but we're under the power of grace and love by the Holy Spirit. So Lord, we ask as we unpack this now that you keep that in mind and that there be this breakthrough that you promised us of the Holy Spirit, of grace, of shattering of the old, of chains, that actually we can access the blessings in Christ and those things that have held us back are broken off. Lord, we are so grateful for what you paid for on the cross and we thank you for this in the strong and powerful name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so let's unpack some things. I see a history in Joshua, this would be sort of like part two of the message, um, of Moses on the plains of Moab as Deuteronomy closes. Actually, all of Deuteronomy is structured in a suzerain vassal covenant. It's second law. The word Deuteronomy means second law. So the law starts in Deuteronomy chapter four. The history's given. You've got the Shema, hero Israel. The Lord thy God is one God. And you've got all of this stuff. It literally renews the covenant. He, he rehearses it in the plains of Moab and then appoints Joshua to say, go in. And when you get in there, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna set up an altar at Mount Gerizim and, um, excuse me, altar at Mount Ebal and at Gerizim where Abraham first came into the land and set up an altar and said, this land belongs to the Lord. And you're going to rehearse that covenant and renew it when you get there. So they come in in chapter five and what they do is they're renewing the covenant history. So they remember the Passover of Egypt that God commanded and they rehearse God's faithfulness in the wilderness and his mighty saving acts. And they remember and renew the covenant of circumcision saying we are your people we are blessed by you they do this in Joshua 5 then they go to the stipulations and covenant blessings in chapter 8 what we just read and then when you get to chapter 24 it's going to be the same thing as Deuteronomy 30 which just says choose this day whom you serve and Joshua says as for me and my house will serve if you serve God you'll be blessed if you don't you'll be cursed that's and they ratify the covenant. In Joshua 24, they just literally say, all that you've said, we will do. And they've been brought back to Shechem a second time to actually ratify the covenant. So actually, Joshua is a covenantal, God is fulfilling the covenant to bring them into the promised land and be blessed. Amen. It's actually structured that way. At the beginning, the foreshadow of the rehearsing of the history of the people the covenant at Gilgal, the covenant in Joshua 8, Shiloh is in, in chapter 18 is where they're gonna set up the tabernacle for long term and then the covenant ratified in chapter 24. So I just want you to see the pattern and they have what's called a kahal gathering. Any of you that have read Ted Decker's Black, Red, White, they talk about this gathering called the kahal. They, 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 he changes the word a little bit, kahal, which is actually... When the New Testament translates that, guess what that word is? Ecclesia. So it means a gathering with the Lord at the center of the gathering. And in the center of that gathering of the kahal, it's an assembly of all the people. It's not just like, okay, let's call the elders. It's like call everybody, men, women, children. You heard that outlined in the text. So actually in the text, here's where that word is. Um, 
There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read the whole assembly. The word assembly there is kahal. It means to gather and to legislate what God speaks through his instructions and agree and covenant around what God is saying. Ecclesia. The New Testament parallel, Jesus said, upon this rock, the confession of Christ, I will build my ecclesia. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the ecclesia. And I give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And then Matthew 18 picks up the same thing. It's the other reference to ecclesia, church in the New Testament. It says, wherever two or three are gathered, there I am in your midst. And what you decide in terms of binding or loosing sin, I will do it from heaven. Wow. Right so the ecclesia, the gathering, the kahal that's here is a very solemn event. The other time, it's, it's used throughout Deuteronomy, that's used a lot in the Old Testament, but there's actually a kahal gathering in Joel chapter two, verse 16, where they call a sacred assembly and they come together with a kahal and they covenant to renew their covenant with the Lord. And what follows is the promise of the Holy Spirit and then Joel three there's a valley of decision. Which way will you choose? So the Kahal always has this thing of the Lord offering something. The people hear it. And it's like, will we decide to be the, follow the Lord or will we follow ourselves? Choose. There's a choice moment at the Kahal of how we will respond. I, I know that's a new word for some of you. But the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the old, translates that word as ecclesia. I love it. The significance of the altar. An altar is a place where the people of God renew their commitment to the Lord. Where sin is dealt with, where there's an encounter with God, and where God sets his people free and ministers to them and releases blessing from the altar. And again, it's an altar not built with human hands, but by that which God has created. And we offer ourselves, New Testament, as a living and holy sacrifice to be a fragrant offering, right? Pure and acceptable to the Lord. So the altar is incredibly significant of what's there. And I've shown you pictures of what it looks like. And the other thing I want you to notice from the text is the inclusivity of the event. Men, women, children, foreigners that have joined them, those living in the land, and the aliens that are traveling through. By the way, New Covenant says there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor master, whatever it is. Um, it's Galatians 2.28. I should have that memorized. I apologize. But the idea here is it's inclusive. Everyone gets to be a part. It's not just leaders that get invited to be part of the ecclesia. There's an inclusivity. That's why Joshua could say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. His wife, his children, his children's children. We're covenanting, we're in. Boy, I love the fact that it's not exclusive. But we need that in a day of division in our country. 
I want to give you five lessons from the text. Um, I'm going to need to do that from my notes because I can't remember how I worded those. Give me a second. Actually, I probably um, have them on the PowerPoint. (laughs) Sure enough, let's go back one. God is interested that we live according to the covenant he has with us. Do you, you realize you're actually made covenant with Jesus when you accepted him? And when you take the Lord's Supper, you are remembering his death until he returns and you attend the marriage supper of the Lamb. By the way, that's the ultimate ratification or of the covenant. At the betrothal, the, the, the cup that he took was the same cup that was used at a betrothal ceremony called the cup of salvation. And at a betrothal, you sip the cup saying, I'm now betrothed to you and I will cloister myself under the friend of the bridegroom, hint, that's the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And I will learn to become the bride of Christ and when I'm pure and spotless, my, bride is, my bridegroom is coming back to take me to the home that the Father has provided, John 14. And thence we'll always be together and we'll have the wedding feast, Revelation 19 and 20. You get it? So, but the key is we have to actually say yes to the covenant. We can't be the 10 virgins or the five virgins that have no oil and get excluded. We have to be the five virgins that have stoke the oil of our lives with the spirit and we're walking by the spirit so that we can attain. We're not like those, like the thief in the night that are unprepared because Christ comes sooner than we expect and our life is not living accordingly. We're not like those that are waiting so long like the virgins that we let our oil go out and we get complacent in our behaviors. Does that make sense? So there's this place that he wants us to covenant to live with him. Now, having said that, Paul just simply said this, let your yes be yes and your no, no. You will adhere to the covenant by the power of grace, the Holy Spirit motivated by love, not by your own human effort. Is that clear? It's really important. All right, next point. We need the covering sacrifice, and I'm putting in parentheses, Jesus' work on the cross exactly at the point where our sin and failures are revealed and God's curse is pronounced. I didn't read the curses, probably should. Do you know the curses were read from Mount Ebal at the altar? So the altar, the ultimate sacrifice is Christ died on the altar of the cross And his blood forgave our sins and removed the curses that are spoken under the law at Mount Ebal. So let me just read you some of the curses. I I can't believe I didn't read those, although we just don't want to dwell on those. They're kind of bummer. Um, Deuteronomy 27. You know, here's the opening preamble. Keep all these commandments I give you today when you've crossed the Jordan into the land the Lord's giving you. Set up some large stones and coat them with plaster. Write on them all the words of the law that you've crossed to enter. And when you've crossed over, set these up on Mount Ebal as I commanded you. Coat them with plaster. Build there an altar to your God. Do not use an iron tool. Build the altar with field stones and offer burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. That's the peace offering. 
and you shall clearly write and read these words of the law. And these are the curses. Cursed is the man who carves an image or casts an idol. Cursed is the man who dishonors his father or mother. Cursed is the man who moves his neighbor's boundary stone. Cursed is the man who leads the blind astray on the road. Cursed is the man who withholds justice from the alien. There's 12 of them. I'll spare you the details. Um, the final one is like all comprehensive. Cursed is the man who does not hold the words of this law by carrying them out. Now here's the blessings, chapter 28. If you fully obey the Lord and carefully follow by the way, Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and following says, I'll take out your heart of stone and give you a new soft heart. I'll put a, I'll put a new spirit in you that will cause you to walk in my ways. Grace, love, Power of the Holy Spirit. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The Spirit does that work in us. So I give you today these, these things. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in your country. The fruit of your room will be blessed. The crops of your land will be blessed. Your basket and kneading trowel will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and go out of your house. The Lord will grant the enemies that rise up to, before you to be defeated. That's your blessing. The Lord will put a blessing on your barns and everything you put your hand to. The Lord will bless you in the land of the promise that God is giving to you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people, his royal priesthood, and you, and you will keep the commands of the Lord and walk in his ways. You will fear the Lord's name and he will grant you abundance and prosperity in the fruit of your room, in everything you do, and he will open the heavens, the storehouses of bounty to you, you will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Amen. The By the way, all those promises are yes and amen in Christ. Amen. Boy, that's good news. So point number two, I've, I've mentioned it to you. We need that covering of sacrifice. Here's three. Blessings will follow those that choose to obey God's commands by the power of the Holy Spirit. I added that. It's not in the Old Testament text. But in the New Testament, that's what it looks like. How many of you need to be blessed? Thank you, Jesus, that you obeyed the Father fully, that you went to the cross sinless, and that you imputed your righteousness to us through faith in you and the completed work of what you accomplished and the grace and the power that you provide to us to walk in your ways. So the old covenant law were things like this. It was hear, obey, serve, do, listen. New Testament is rest, abide, surrender. You get it? Lean into me, lean into my Sabbath rest. Let me do what you cannot do in your own strength. Number four, as we seek to advance God's kingdom on the earth, a healthy fear of the Lord must be present, accompanied by full obedience to the word of the Lord and the enabling power. There is a place of fear um, with this. I am aware, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with 10 talents. Here's 100. It's 10 in the text, but why not go for 100? 
You've been faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. Or the parable of the minas in Luke 19. I will give you rulership over 10 cities. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you give us the grace to walk in those things. Lord, I wanna be more on fire for you in my 80s and 90s and early 100s than I was in my 20s when I first met you. I want to be walking in greater righteousness decades from now than I did in my past. I'm going from glory to glory because that's the New Testament promise. He who began a good work in me shall complete it until the day that Christ returns. You've got to think new covenant on this. Did you hear the words of the, um, that came like blessing and release of bondage and limitations and mindsets and things that hold you back. It's like, thank you, Lord. You're actually gonna do something today. Number five, God calls his people to choose him first. Above your career, above your retirement plans, above your comforts. Where you go, I'll go. I'll only do what I see my Lord doing. So, here's how I felt we were to minister this. Y'all good, you breathing? I don't know where I'm at time-wise, but um, thank you for letting me, by the way, this issue of choosing is so important. How many know there's a valley of decision before you right now? Have you sensed that in the spirit realm? Have you sensed how the Lord's saying, hey, here's the future of what your life could look like. Here's where your life is headed if you don't make a shift right now. And it's like, choose life. Okay, Lord, I surrender. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. I yield, I'm tired of doing this on my own. And thank you that you've removed the curses. By the way, it says in 1 John 1, 9, if you're faithful to confess your sins, the Lord will forgive your sins and, remove, and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I take that as the unrighteous effects of those sins. Thank you, Jesus. That's amazing. I should probably be back on this last point, number five. I just would ask you, what are your idols? Where do you need to choose them first? What are you supposed to lay down? What does it look like for you today? Be stirred by his covenant words of blessing. You're already seated in spirit, heavenly places with Christ. Spend time as his word, worship, obey. So here's what I do with this. If you don't know Christ, you're watching us online, you're listening, and you've never met Jesus, this is a great day to do that. If you're a backslidden believer that has been living in your own strength and you realize I have fallen short of all that God has for my life, this is a great time to repent. Repent just means I'm going this way, downhill like Old Testament, but I wanna go this way, uphill. And you just make a choice. You change, you change your mind. Say, Lord, forgive me for going this way. I wanna go this way. So 
I'm just gonna say, if there's anyone in the room that's never received Christ, this is all you need to do in your heart. There's, by the way, there's no formulaic prayer. You just need to believe he's the son of God. And you need to say, that's it, Lord, I surrender. I say yes to that. I, I want you as Lord and Savior. I need a new covenant reality. I can't do what you call me to do. I wanna live in heaven. I wanna have all of the blessings that are in Christ in heavenly places. I want those for me. I say yes to you. Boom, that's it. That's all Cornelius did in his household. The Holy Spirit fell on him. So I just encourage you to do that. If you're backslidden and you've walked away from the Lord, either consciously or unconsciously, and you realize I'm finding myself in a pigsty a long way off and I'm longing for the food that even the servants have in my father's household. The Lord says, come home. And by the way, the father is watching and he will gird up his loins and he will meet you before your confession even gets out of your mouth. Just do that in your heart right now. And I just, if there's anyone in, in this room that has said either yes to Christ for the first time or for this, you've said, you know what? I'm far from the Lord in my heart or my actions and I'm making a choice to come back. You can pop your hand up so I can just see it. Don't be ashamed of who, who you see around. There's several of you. I'm gonna give you an, uh, an option in a moment to do something with this. By the way, I saw that the hands of fire back there, are those my fire branch, the New Jesus People Movement in the back two rows? The, the kahal that you're thinking of having, um, Hayden, in Joshua 2, the Lord's spoken to you about that. As you call that sacred assembly and you gather your people to covenant with the Lord, fire will fall. Like on Mount Carmel and in, 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 in 1 Kings 17 and 18, the fire of God will fall on the sacrifice of what you guys offer when you guys gather. So I just bless you guys back there. Um, okay. Uh, I don't know if we, it's probably too heavy. I don't want it falling on you, but I'm going to put, um, can you stand it up? Okay, let's be careful. It used to have a stand. I have no idea where the stand went, but I'll call this just to sleep. I'm gonna put an altar out here. Gwen, would you bring me that cantaloupe bag there? And uh, I didn't bring any stones. I didn't feel like I wanted to um, carry all those this morning. Um, <laughs> but I am gonna put here... I'll make this the altar. Thank you. And we're gonna let some of you that feel you need to do this today. Um, I have gluten-free crackers for those of you that are gluten intolerant. Lord spoke this. I just did this like last minute. So bear with me. So you can take the bread of the body of Christ this morning and you can symbolize, if you desire, the blood of Christ. And what I want you to do is declare blessings, not curses. In the Old Testament, they had to read the curses first. I will be cursed if I disobey, and here's my cursing. I'll be cursed here, cursed there, cursed, cursed, cursed. What I want you to do is you're gonna secretly confess your sin if you need to, or you're gonna renew the covenant however you feel like you wanna renew that. 
And if you take the element and you say, I'm saying yes again to Jesus and to walking in his righteousness by the power of the Holy Spirit, then God will give you that grace to walk in it. And this is your altar with the sacrifice of Christ that reminds you it's blessing. And then I want you to speak out. I will be blessed, whatever it is. I will be blessed in my marriage. I will be blessed in my finances. I will be blessed with honesty. I will be blessed with freedom. I, I, it's probably as many as every person here. So I'm actually gonna open up the altar for a variety of things. I, I, it's kind of weird. It's gonna take a little long today. But I feel, it looks like John is maybe getting some more communion things. That makes sense. I, I didn't have little cups, so. Um, why don't you stand? Let me pray for us, and we'll see how we do this. Do I have a keyboardist that wants to play on the keyboard right now? I feel like we need a um, keyboard of um, some kind. He's on his way. All right. Actually, if any of the worship team wants to come, you're welcome to. Thanks, Jeff. You guys okay? These have been really heavy messages the last few weeks, but it's good. We're, we're dealing with raw truth right now. No more meat in the church, no more milk in the church. We're eating some solid meat right now. <laughs> so Father, I thank you for your church. And I thank you that, Lord, there's an opportunity this morning. So many prophetic words came. Let me just read those again. The words that said, there's a glory cloud over everybody today for healing and breakthrough. That as we fix our gaze on Jesus, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, we will endure, like it says in Hebrews 12, the trials that are before us and we will be raised up in righteousness. We will become a people and a city that's built by God. We will see from heaven's perspective, there will be a breaking of limitations. There will be God acting from heaven to break off and to release that what eye or ear cannot see or hear, the exceedingly abundantly above place and we're to pray from that place. Lord, we thank you for the promises that we have in Christ. And we just are, we're just astounded before you. And Lord, whether we come to this or not, I would, I'm encouraging, Lord, we just say all of us in our hearts right now are making this commitment to say, Lord, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As senior leader of this church, as for Bridgeway Church, our staff and our members, we will serve the Lord. And we do that in fear and trembling, knowing, Lord, we need your grace, we need your power, we need your love, we need your presence, we need your holy fire. And so, Lord, would you send the fire of the Holy Spirit even now on these choices? Put your hands out. Holy Spirit, come and fire an enabling, empowering presence on your church right now in Jesus' name. Fall with your fire on your people as they're saying yes in their hearts with grace from heaven to walk in the ways of Jesus Christ. 
thank you for your empowering presence. We thank you that Acts 2 released not only a sound from heaven, but tongues of fire resting on each. We say fire of the Holy Spirit to enable grace to minister and move in power to be his witnesses, first in our house, then our neighborhood, then our city, then our state, then the nations of the earth. We thank you, Father, for Holy Spirit fire. We thank you that the love of God will explode in our hearts, so much so that we will not be able to see the height, the depth, the width, the breadth of that love that you would strengthen us in our inner man by the Holy Spirit, that we would have the mind of Christ, that as we set our mind on the things that are above, the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. We thank you, God, for a release of your grace right now, the enabling presence to walk in your ways. Lord, we fully surrender on the altar of Christ's sacrifice. We say our personhood is a living and holy sacrifice a pleasing and acceptable offering to the Lord, an olah, and a burnt offering. Lord, I just thank you for your enabling presence and grace right now for your church, in Jesus' name. I'm just gonna leave it open for you to linger. If you wanna come to the cross, there are elements from a communal cup. There are also a basket full of the communion elements. I just feel like it's appropriate to just take time before the Lord and do some business with Him. I tell you, this is a day of God raising up an army. We're about to take the land. There's about to be a kingdom expansion, a mighty revival, and it will come through the power of Christ. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Lord, empower your church. When you feel ready, uh, you can, be dismissed. I won't do a formal close, but I just felt like I got to open this up. Lord, I thank you for your word today that was so clear out of the old covenant that it has a whole new definition in New Testament reality. Thank you, Jesus, that you fulfilled the law and that you make a way. Amen.